It's finals time in the A-League. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this A-League finals preview of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on this Thursday afternoon. We decided to hold off a little while until we knew what the A-League finals draw was going to be, and I think I might have actually just set a record for saying A-League finals in the opening 35 or so seconds. So, Adam, how are you? I'm good. How are you, James? Good to have you back. Thank you. And Scott, how are you? I'm good, James, and yes, it's good to have you back. Yes, I should say thanks to you two and Scott McCormick for filling in last Monday night as I had some family stuff going on with the passing of my father and it was obviously not been the easiest week, but glad to be back and I suppose this is the best form of therapy, just getting back on and doing what we enjoy. So once this is done, I'll get back on to doing what I enjoy. <laughs> How dare you. Yeah. Okay, so I'll be away next week then by the sounds of it, <laughs> but... Oh, no, 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 I've done my one hosting for the year. You're locked in. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, I, am glad, I am glad to be back. Obviously, things kind of, well, it's been a rough last fortnight. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I really don't have anything more poignant to say. So let's get on to the football talk. Start off by saying, um, yeah, contact information, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football. Uh, again, contact with us any which way. Uh, you can find our podcast on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Football Nation Radio podcast feed at the moment because there are some restrictions with them broadcasting out of Victoria. So we try and get our shows on their podcast feed every week. So listen to ours and pretty much any other one that you can, if, if at all possible. And uh, make sure you leave a rating and review because apparently that's what you're supposed to do when you host a podcast. Say, please rate and review me so we know that people love us. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know I, that. <laughs> that's news to me, but anyway, we'll go with that. Yeah, I know. It's only been like 150-odd episodes before we started asking for reviews or something. So, yes. Um, and also there was one other thing I was supposed to mention as well, which I'm drawing a complete blank on as well, which I should ask everyone, just forgive me for a little bit if I seem a bit phased out. I'm still getting back, getting the equilibrium back to level. But uh, we'll go right into our new segment since the Raw haven't played since our last show and I honestly don't remember a whole much, a whole lot of that Sydney FC game. So we'll start off with the Scott McDonald headlines that have uh, come out in the last few days. There was a co- uh, alleged COVID breach with him doing uh, Champions League commentary for Optus Sport a week or so ago, but he has been cleared of any formal breaches, I believe, by the investigative unit. Yeah, I think the FFA had to have a look into that. I assume it would have been all ticked off, James. I mean, it's one of those things they've been so cautious with these at this A-League hub, who's in the hub, what you do and all the rest of it. You have to imagine it was ticked off, but it was a bit of a concern when that popped up about a week ago today thinking, well, if he is out for two weeks, that's probably his season over. And Scott McDonald's been such an important player, James. If he was unavailable for the finals, it would have been a massive blow, but luckily he will be there. Yes, exactly. And it does seem like it was, you know, one of those nervous moments when it came out. Yeah, look, uh, it's, uh, the source is quite interesting as well about who actually broke broke the story. Um, I don't know, without taking on face value, whether it was uh, good journalism or a little bit of sour grapes or somewhere in between. But uh, but yeah, look, you got you got to believe that he just uh, he just wouldn't have just upped and left, you know, and run the risk. And so obviously, someone somewhere would have had to tick that off, and maybe maybe the, the story, the approvals just didn't get out to the relevant people, and then it, so the story caught fire. But um, yeah, look, at the end of the day, it sounded like they're all precautions, mate. He, he went to the studio by private car, you know, uh, and and all, all that. I think it's just a case of the look of it. I think they had to look into, but yeah, all all, all good. I did admit, like when I first heard that McDonald was doing the Champions League commentary, I was a little bit surprised that he was allowed out of the bubble. But I assumed that, all things considered, like the necessary precautions had been made as well. But, like side note, I'm actually enjoying Simon Hill and Scott McDonald's efforts in commentary. Oh, well, you come to me, come to the one person who hasn't actually got up to sports, so I can't no, I comment on his actual commentary. But yeah, I, I mean, it's be, I'd be interested to see how he goes with it, but. 
I do know he's doing a coaching license as well, isn't he? Coming up the pro license in the Europe in a couple of months' time, so that'll be interesting as well. Broadening his knowledge and experience, James, perhaps. Yes, and you have filled the host role perfectly there with that segue because that's another story that's come out in the last twenty-four or so hours. I wish I could credit who the pers- who the actual out- original outlet for that story was, but yeah, Daily Record Scotland. Okay, Daily Record. There we go. Uh, it's saying that, yeah, he's undertaking the UEFA A licence, which I believe is their entry-level one from memory, and he's going to now be classed as a player-slash-academy coach. And I did like the suggestion of labelling of paying McDonald, you know, the bulk of his wages outside the salary cap as an academy coach. Yeah, look, uh, whatever works uh, works the books um, and what, what that- keeps him tied, tied to the club, so... I think that might be the Perth Glory method of uh, manipulating the salary cap. Well, if he gets a house, then we'll we'll uh, talk. But but yeah, look, I think it's a it's, I think it's a common thing across the league now, and I think I think it's a good actually way to to keep him in touch with the club. You always worry that you know, especially with with his um, I guess success in the second half of the season, that you know whether he would entertain offers elsewhere. But obviously, you know, under, undertaking you know, a uh, coaching. Yeah, coaching course. So hopefully you'd say that the Raw are probably supportive of that, and also as well that that classification they probably start coaching the academy. Um, I guess it keeps them tied up with the club. And look, that's one thing that everyone's been wanting over the last few years, isn't it? Is getting these former players involved in coaching as well. So it's good to see that you know the, the players with an appetite for it are getting the opportunity. Absolutely, it's not uncommon. I think Enrique at one point was coaching in the Brisbane Raw academy at one point. I think Graham Fife, the former Redlands captain, is up there as well. So there's a lot of former players in there now. But he's obviously got great experience as well, Scott McDonald. You think about the career that he's had both internationally with the Socceroos, albeit briefly and not so successfully, but also Celtic, Middlesbrough, and a lot of clubs overseas as well. He's got a lot of experience that he can pass on to players. And if he wants to go on and be a manager in the second phase of his football career, why not? Yeah, exactly. And... Look, I honestly think that, you know, he may have a future in broadcasting as well if he wants to stick with that. Not that I'm trying to, you know, suggest that he take my place or anything, but he he does have a lot of, he does have a lot of options and it's good to see that he's trying to take that step forward as well. And we are seeing a veteran player working with the um, youth team. So I was just going to say, um, we've, we've got our quota of Scots on this show, so you're safe. <laughs> no, yeah, no I, think... I, I might be... You might have three Scots on the show. What's going on there? <laughs> well, 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 you aren't actually allowed to take any holidays at the moment, Adam, so there is that working in your favour. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, that's going on as well. And who knows, you know, the Academy has gotten the raw their current coach, so we'll have to see who's next. But we are seeing quite a few of these ex-players getting involved as well. Obviously, the aforementioned Warren Moon. And I've been doing GPS football commentary with Double Take Sports the last few weeks as well and you're seeing guys like i think matt mckay is involved with brisbane grammar uh you've got john cosmina at terrace you've also got um uh, i think it's joe duckworth out at um hang on just let let me get that as well coaching a team as well he is the assistant at bbc and i know that because when i was just out of school and looking for a job he was the coaching manager for the under 13s as well so yeah one of those small world type of moments. But, yeah, he's there. So, yeah, Ipswich's uh, coaching stuff, you've got Joe Duckworth and Alex Parsons as assistants to Andrew Catton. So oh. you've got you've got a lot of players out there that want to get into coaching. And I suppose on that side note as well, you saw uh, Ange Postacoglu, um, you know, blazing the trail in Japan. He, he's got a couple of people over there as well. Well, yeah, like I say, it's it's – like at the end of the day, like I said, coaching is always about pathway, and uh, it's good to and it's good to, and the most common pathway is you know players who you know go on to be coaches. Uh, and look, we, we always you know they don't always turn out um, the best. Uh, you know, like I said, we've seen some very very good uh, players you know not be so good uh, managers. There's one in particular I think we'll bring up in a moment that's had a rocky start to his managerial <laughs> career, but. Um, but yeah, look, uh, it's it's always one form uh, way. So it's always, but it's always good to see them, you know, the players, especially the more well-known players, um, sort of give back to the game. And on that as well, like, I I don't want to go down that pathway of saying you have to be an ex-player to work in football as well. Like whether it is as a coach, as a commentator, as a broadcaster, because I, quite frankly, I think there are a lot of uh, players that we've seen just in the A League alone who you know, might get a job in broadcasting, but they have absolutely zero personality and ability to do that. 
and so you know i just want to get that out there as well and there are some people that might not have the physical skills to to get into coaching but they do have that mentality of going all right i know exactly what i want to do yeah so before we get into that former former great player not so great coach but there's actually a lot of the better, a lot of the better coaches, James. In all seriousness, sort of didn't really play at the highest level. You think about it, even in Europe, guys like Jose Mourinho, Alec Ferguson, they didn't really, they weren't exactly star players. So I know there's a trend now towards turning two star players of the past to become coaches, both here and overseas. But that hasn't necessarily always been the way it is. And I think in Australia specifically, our education of coaches has gone up in the last ten years. I think that's what you're starting to see now. There's been a lot more emphasis on the coaching of the coaches and the education they receive before they become like senior head coaches at the professional level. I think that's what you're seeing now, James. So you're talking about Joe Duckworth now starting off in GPS. I mean, that's a, that's a really good place to start off. And it's probably a lot of players around the NPL and lower who are doing coaching courses during the off season or even maybe in season, looking at that as a career path further forward. So I think that's what's really, I think that's really important. Definitely. And Okay, we will keep, we'll move on now because time. Um, wow, my sentence structure is really good tonight, isn't it? Okay, so Scott, I'm going to mute you for the next little while just because That's you know fine. I feel you might get you might get us involved in legal proceedings, and I'm not all that keen on <laughs> doing that right now. But uh, yeah, so the story came out: Robbie Fowler seeking compensation from FIFA, claiming wrongful dismissal. Chris Fong uh, has said that the Raw haven't done anything wrong. Coincidentally, or ha- phrase it however you want, the story in the Sydney Morning Herald was written by, I Chris think, Barrett. who is a lawyer that works for the firm representing Fowler, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, <laughs> I think I think I so. Saw, yeah, I saw I think that. He's a lawyer. I remember. He's maybe. He's, I think he's pretty sure he's a lawyer or a legal yeah. reporter. Okay, so look, I, I know I'm not the only one that has this opinion of this uh, procedure. I can't help but be cynical and think that if Robbie Fowler had of his sales pitch over in the UK had have actually gone the way he'd hoped and gotten a job, we wouldn't have heard two hoots about this unfair dismissal claim. This just seems like a way of saying, look, it wasn't all my fault that I got out of here. Yeah, look, it's it's a it's a sad sort of you know, I guess conclusion to to you know what seemed to be you know a what seemed a, amicable departure. You know, it seemed it seemed at the time to make sense that you know. To, for both parties that, you know, with COVID-19, the, the whole stand-down order. And, you know, at the end of the day, anyone forgiven, you know, Robert Fowler and Tony Grant, you know, getting back to the UK to be there with their families during this, you know, this pandemic. Um, but so, sort of what's transpired since has, has been, you know, it's been very sort of disturbing, I guess, you know, from both. I think both parties at, at some point would play fault in this, that, you know, the sort of the allegations of, you know, the Raw wouldn't pay for Robert Fowler's flight back to Australia and then the allegation that the Raw were making about the um, about the press stuff that Roy Fowler was at, which led to the, quote, ter- termination. Um, look, a lot of this is going to play, especially if, if, if there is truth that's going to go to a uh, FIFA dis- uh, council, I think, a, a, a tribunal. Um, I guess we'll see at the end of the day, this will all come out in the wash. But look, it's just quite disappointing that, you know, that it just seems, uh, as, as uh, Scott and I sort of joked last week, that why can't Brisbane Raw and parting coaches, why can't it be easy? <laughs> well, okay. I, I feel like this boils down to a couple of key questions here. And it's for me, it comes down to, like, first of all, the plane ticket back. Whose responsibility was it to pay for it? Because if there was a travel allowance in Fowler's contract, as was alluded to in the Sydney Morning Herald story. I can see you wanting to jump on this, Scott. So I'll no, get no, to no, it. I'm just, no, I'm good. Keep going. So legally, even though it's still season one of the contract, because of the rollover of the calendar year, does that put it into year two? And aside from that, like, if not, I don't see how the Raw should have been uh, responsible for paying Fowler's way back when he was the one that made the decision to go back home. I just can't get past the fact, like, you know, if I said to, you know, my current employer and said, hey, I'm going away for, like, I'm going away and just hiding out while we're working from home, but can you pay me, uh, can you pay for my ticket back? I don't care. Like, I think I would get laughed out of the building for that, or figurative building anyway. And also the fact of the matter is, did Fowler really want to come back? Because that seems to have been the overarching uh, idea that I've been, 
on the I've sort of had as a takeaway from this as well, where I just feel like they're not really. I, I feel like he always said, you know, strike while the iron is hot. I'm going to go get a job in Europe out of this. Yeah, I'm going to be careful what I say here for what you mentioned off the top. But I do think in terms of the legal perspective of this, James, I think the point you raised about the the travel costs and the, of the flight back to and back, who was that in the contract and did that cover an in-season trip back or not? Well, that's, I think that's what the actual probably dispute will be about, James. But I think you're right. Because you think back, James, you think um, from just about when the Raw's run of form started at the start of this calendar year, you started to see stories pop up in the UK about how things are going over here for Robbie Fowler and all the rest. And, he did, and we did see a whole bunch of clubs linked to Robbie Fowler during the lockdown period, James, when he was still under contract with the Brisbane Raw. I think Birmingham City was one of a number of clubs where he was linked to potentially going back to that role in the UK. So, look, I mean, it seemed like from the outside looking in that he might have been looking for an opportunity, but it's so messy, isn't it? And to Adam's point, just, there was the Frank Farina situation. That was a, that was maybe of his own making. There was the Mike Mulvey situation, and now there's this one. It doesn't seem... Just, it does seem like when the Raw do part with coaches, it seems like there's a bit of an issue there. But I'd just say on the, my over, overarching thought on the whole thing, James, is it wasn't that memorable, the the Robbie Fowler era. Let's just move on. I think that's the biggest – that was the most frustrating point for me as well. It could have been memorable. We saw exactly what he we, – we saw exactly what he was starting to build. And I said this – you know, back when he left, we saw phase one of his rebuild plan, and that was fix up a defence. And, you know, to his credit, he did exactly that. He got this side like to stop leaking goals, which they were doing at the back end of last season. And I know I'm clearly in the minority, at least based on uh, Twitter reactions, who actually I can actually like and appreciate good defensive football. But I just, yeah, we saw the point, and it's going to feel like the generous grade for his tenure here is an incomplete. Yeah, look, that's the one thing. And we said back on the when he departed that, that look, at the end of the day, the whole, I guess the whole sort of, you know, what's the word I'm trying to say, the perception that when he left, when he left to go home and they sort of started shopping himself, shopping himself around as, as it would appear, um, that, you know, at the end of the day, at that stage, he was actually stood down, you know, as, you know, like I said, no. So you could almost say that he was a free agent um, at, at the time. So... And like I said, the whole job keeper, you know, job seeker, whatever, you know, the, the the conditions that the Australian government sort of put in to, to try and help to get through the pandemic, that sort of stuff that wouldn't have been recognised in the UK. So it's it's a case of well, whether is he starting to have second thoughts about you know, because he didn't, he was unsuccessful in getting a job, and all of a sudden now does he want the um the second year is terminated, sort of you know, sort of trying to slide it towards oh well, he was terminated. So and I, I'm fairly that that's that's the base of his part. Um, like I said, but also as well, the one compelling thing from the Raw's point of view is that the the when the statement was written about um, about you know where he's left, sort of the, even having a quote from Robbie Fowler to say that you know uh, to thanking all the fans and uh, and whatnot. Surely that's something that the Raw wouldn't just put out by himself. There would have been consultation. So it's it's very very murky. And this is this is not as uh, like open and shut as you know people would think this is, is there is a lot to um, unpack and i think the only way it's going to get unpacked is uh, in front of fifa unfortunately yes yeah, i was just i listened to adam though i actually completely forgotten about the fact that he had officially been stood down i would actually completely forgotten about that fact of it i mean that's that i think that does add into this significantly as well yeah uh, i agree i think the fact like i'm not trying to say that fowler might not be the sharpest tool in the shed but I think it actually does also mean that, like, maybe there wasn't a complete understanding of Australian labour laws going on here, and maybe he just didn't quite grasp exactly what being stood like or being stood down entailed. But I don't know. That's just my theory as well. And anyway, I, this does feel like, look, if if I was running a club and I was going to hire Robbie Fowler now, I'd be saying, so how come you left two thirds or three quarters of the way through a season? Like that to me is the way that I would have to break it down. So the timing of this is also quite interesting as well. It's not like it only just happened this week, his um, dismissal or departure, however you want to phrase it. It's been at least six weeks, James, because the A-League's been going a month and they've been, they appointed Warren Moon to be the coach a week and a half before that. So, I mean, it's been a while. It's interesting it's come up now. Normally when yeah. these things happen, if you get dismissed and you think there's something unjust about that, that 
tends to come public knowledge pretty quickly. So it's That's interesting it. the timing of it. That's it. And uh, the Raw can actually get a two-for-one deal, I think, in front of FIFA as well because they're involved with uh, another compensation claim regarding the transfer of Zach Duncan to AGF R House. So Adam's just dropped out on the internets as well. Uh, so it'll just be Scott and I for the next couple of minutes as Adam gets his uh, – as Adam unplugs and plugs back in his modem. Um, so, Scott. Yes. What's your take on the Zach Duncan thing? Because it seems like the Raw are trying to claim that there's a transfer fee. This is uh, a really but- interesting one, isn't it? Because I think the story says that he was on a youth contract with the Brisbane Raw and – he went, he, when that when the A-League season finished last year, obviously he was in the A-League side playing really well. We were all, the three of us, we were all really excited about the prospect of him becoming a regular part of the A-League side this season now. And he's gone over to, to Denmark and done really well. So you have to say the move he made worked really well. In terms of the, the compensation, I think it comes down to the fact of, I think the, I think it's um, every club, James, that you play for, when a player moves from one to the next, they get some percentage of the fee, whether it's a small smaller percentage of the fee or if it's a if it's a transfer it's a negotiated higher price but i think it's about that compensation fee isn't it about him moving from australia to denmark i mean it's interesting because the youth contracts count because in the a-league james there's plenty of cases where players have moved from a from one youth setup to a rival a-league club's first team and there's been no compensation so i think it's a that's a really interesting one as well i'll be I think it's almost a test case as well to see how that pans out because there's a lot of players who've made moves like that where there hasn't been. So I think this is a, a real test case to see how that works out. Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with them trying for it. I, although, from what I can understand, he Zach Duncan actually like he uh, he was not a contract. He left the raw, hadn't he? That's yeah, what, that's where our understanding of it. He had left because, the raw. Yeah, he'd left to pursue a move in Europe. That didn't quite uh, unfold. So he went back to Marconi Stallions in yeah. NPL New South Wales. And then he wound up going over to um, AGF from there. And now he's unfortunately recovering from an ACL injury, which we hope he gets back to full fitness uh, in good time. And, yeah, I just also want to point out as well that round 27 match against Adelaide United last year, the pass he did to set up uh, Bortiak's penalty – that was one of the best, like, just single plays I've seen in an entire A-League match. It's just that pass back in. Now, Adam's joined us back as well. So, Adam, I'm just reminiscing about Zach Duncan's pass against Adelaide United in uh, round 27 last year at Suncorp Stadium. Yeah, look, um, that, that sort of, you know, really got him noticed as far as uh, where, you know, uh, you know what's sort a of quality player. Look, we had the benefit of seeing him at... Um, sort of at youth level and NPL level. So, but that's when he sort of really, you know, announced himself on the big stage. And that's sort of the rest of the history from there. Definitely. And I do just want to check with you, Adam, as well, who is now on the left of my screen. So I'm going to have to change that around. Uh, Adam, your cats haven't been playing with the uh, internet modem? Oh, something's happened. So I'm about to, <laughs> I'm about to switch, uh, switch devices. So Yes. So you've got to love it. Yeah, look, just proving it, once again the south side is better, James. <laughs> it is a, it is a, it is the one advantage of recording over Skype. Or oh, one disadvantage is we are somewhat at the mercy of our internet connections. Yeah. Uh, now, there's one story that I did want to get onto as well. It came out from Vince Regari this morning, talking about um, the numbers that underline the danger of the A League's winter switch. Now, look, we all know Vince. We like Vince. We had him on the podcast at one point as well. He's saying that the A-League's share of voice among major print and online publishers in the last 12 months um, has dropped off. And I suppose that is to be expected as well because you've literally got everything going on at the moment. So, yeah, I I think it's also, James, don't forget these mainstream media outlets, which the story refers to, they have multi-billion dollar contracts with these other sports. So, of course, they're going to promote and advertise that as much as they can to leverage every dollar they can out of that in terms of value for them. So it's understandable why why they don't give as much coverage to a sport which does have slight as of lower ratings. And also they're not financially invested in any way, James. It makes sense that they would promote more the sports that they are that they cover on a weekly basis. And look, this kind of goes back to that editorial I had, it feels like an eternity, but it was just two weeks ago. But You've got to remember as well, how many of these major publications are behind paywalls that people refuse to subscribe to? So, like, they're not going to 
they're not going to have multiple reporters dedicated to football when people just aren't clicking on their stories. And it really does bug me when, like, I see people in the comments on Vince's Twitter going, oh, you shouldn't be, you should be promoting the game. That's not his job. If there's a good story, I guarantee Vince will report it. But it's not his job to just wave the pom poms and go, "Wee, everything's great." It, They've got in-house media for that at the FFA yeah. and the A League and the clubs. But they do also have like, yeah, Vince's job is to tell the stories that are out there. And the fact of the matter is, like, there is a lot more competition for clear, like for media space now because we're seeing a lot of these major media companies forced to lay off staff because of a lack of traffic. Yeah, look, that's a, that's the a one thing as well about this is that these are unusual times, and you know, to, to just to, to take what a lot of people I think were reacting on the face of it from the uh, Vince's story is that it's almost saying, oh, that you know, for five percent share, why bother? You know, and I, I say, look, that's the one thing is that is that you've got to establish a base before you know you even try. So if you don't try, then what's the point? Do we do, does is the, is what the naysayers are saying is that, oh, we should just go back to what we've had for the last 15 years and, and just, you know, be happy with the status quo. At least, you know, let's give it a shot. Like, at the end of the day, what, what's what's life without risk? And and it's a case of, um, you know, it may be a case of, you know, not going directly head-to-head with the with the big uh, leagues, as in um, NRL and AFL, because as you guys point out, it's absolutely correct, is that, you know, that there's, there is a serious investment from the likes of, you know, of Foxtel and, you know, like in the sort of News Corp media. And Seven and nine as well. Yeah. So, so and ten. Major investment. So, of course, they're, gonna, they're not going to, especially if they don't have, a, you know, a, a dog in the fight as far as, you know, the A-League goes at the moment. They're not going to uh, pour, pour millions and millions of dollars into it. So, it's just a, a case of, you know what, if you don't try, you're not going to get anywhere. If you're, and if you're happy with the status quo, well, then we've obviously... It's just been a complete waste of time the last two years trying to reform. So I, I like I appreciate what Vince is you know trying to report, but I wouldn't just go oh those those numbers are bad so let's not bother. I think it's just a case of strategic you know pro- programming almost to say you're not going head to head against them. Yeah, just gonna say the actual story that Vince wrote. He says even in December, James, or in that period, the A League in terms of like stories and clicks and all the rest, it's still rated behind the AFL, and they were doing all their off-season draft and trades and all the rest of it. So even when the games were being played in clean air, supposedly, in terms of media coverage, it was still lagging behind at least one of the winter codes. So to Adam's point, just take them on. Play the games when you want to play them, and let them worry about it. Just take, just play with, just worry about yourself. Don't worry about external factors. Well, and that's okay. There were some comments that frustrated me in Vince's replies, but there were some very like constructive opinions as well. And I wanted to highlight this one by James McGrath, who's or McGrath, uh, who said, you know, it's almost as if the marketing budget needs to be tripled or something like that. The capacity to generate earned attention is diminishing. Diminishing. The clubs need to put way more into paid media. The paid increases attention, which in turn generates to earn media. And I look. I could do a whole podcast on my own about the ways to improve the coverage of the A-League as well, both through the major media outlets, which you can't like, you can't not have, but there's so much more that you can do from independent sources like us, you know, subtle hint, if anyone at the rules listening, you can also yeah. do their own, their own, like the clubs can do their own content again, subtle hint where available. Uh, and also, but you can just, yeah, there's so much more you can do, now as well, the internet gives you so many more opportunities. You've got, and look, there's that much of a football base. We keep reading about how many people are football fans. Now, whether it's getting that national second league up and running, you just, like, you need to be willing to, as you said, Adam, take a chance. Now, look, we could go on about this for quite a while. And I just, we, I just have, I just have uh, one final point in that, is that this is whole, this whole sort of, you know, and I, I see it in other sports, even in other regions of the world, Unless you're in the marketing department of, you know, of the FFA or the clubs, look, there's these whole, you know, metrics and demographics and stuff like that. That's look, you've got to stop worrying about that. You know, at the end of the day, let the players produce the product and let everything else fall around, and let those that have got, you know, marketing masters degrees and whatnot, and you know, have got experience, let them worry about the promotion of the game. But as fans and you know, as the players and coaches and all that, just worry about the game. I think it's just, it's just this whole nonsense about numbers and metrics, all that. 
I think it's, it, gets, it gets given way too much um, emphasis than what it really is. And I think sometimes it actually does more harm than good. Yeah, I'll keep it quick, James. You said you could do a whole podcast. I could do a whole podcast about the marketing of the A-League in particular, given I did study marketing at university. But I do think that it's interesting how the how the um, the A-League is marketed compared to the national teams in terms of the types of marketing that they do. I think there's a lot more public in terms of the mainstream media marketing of the national teams than the A-League. I think that's understandable to a degree, given they are national teams. But I think maybe the A-League needs to look at look at some of that stuff a bit more closely in terms of the way that they market. Because all good saying, yes, we've got this great digital strategy that the kids see, but I'm not exactly sure that is actually the case. Look, the bottom line is, like, I, I just want to have the final thought on this. The A-League, in its current position, is battling. It needs, But it needs to find the right terms to fight on and say, all right, how are we going to get our fans back? That's all they need to worry about. Don't worry about bringing in, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry to the stadium every week. Just build a base. Start from square one and any other cliches you want to do about just getting the basics right. That's what they need to do for starters. And the best way to do that is with promotion. You've got plenty of players with a lot of personality. Sell them. Put them out there and show us exactly why. Well, you don't show us because we're already invested, but show the public why they should care. Plain and simple. Yep. Anyway, Great. we're going to move on now to Sounds our like very a good marketing strategy. That James. Yeah, <laughs> if only. Yeah, well, what would I know? Um, anyway, we're going to move on. NPL Queensland. Uh, we're going to have to rush through this a little bit quicker because we have been going for half an hour already. Uh, so quickly, Scott, what was your yes. big takeaway from the weekend? Oh, it's probably the first game of the weekend. Actually, the game that Adam and myself were at at the Parc de Paris on Saturday night. Brisbane Strikers 2, Lions nil, And the Brisbane Strikers were really, really impressive in that game. They were they were up for the fight. They were aggressive in the way they played. Not over the line aggressive, just in terms of the intensity that they played with. And they did a number on Lions. And they were really, really impressive. It looks like, once again, they did this 12 months ago. It looks like they've turned their season around. And Lions have seemed a bit off. We talked about it on our post-game show on Sunday, James, they just seemed a little bit off lines on Saturday night. Just things weren't clicking for them. It just was one of those nights for them. I thought the young kid they brought on, Noah McGrath, in the second half helped, but they were well beaten on Saturday night, and it was a really good performance from the Brisbane Strikers. It almost looked like, and I think I said this on Sunday as well, it's been a long couple of days since then, so I can't remember, but it almost looked like Lions were expecting that game to be rained out. Yeah, look, um, it's, I don't know, it's hard to know what happened with that because Strikers beat them in probably comprehensively in probably almost every department on um, on Saturday night. Like it's a, it's the first time in I said this to Scott privately is that you know it's the first time that you know I've actually seen Lions that we I think they look a little bit vulnerable. Um, that that you know in the past you know, under under Warren Moon you know since I've entered the MPL you know even you know the, the first parts of you know Darren Simon charge they've almost looked untouchable. But you know recently and this game on Saturday night really highlighted. There's a few chinks in the armour for um, Lions. And, look, you put down an off night. Um, but, yeah, look, it's a very, very worrying sign. Uh, I'll just put it down to a bad night for them at, the, at this stage. They've got injuries uh, as well, we have to mention as well. That, that was, may be the chink in the armour. It's a depth or lack thereof. Yeah, it's, and, it, and that was eroded back over, you know, the New Year transfer window as well. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not willing to write Lions off, even though I did tip them to finish no, fifth. No, hell no. In, in, I may have tipped them to finish fifth, but um, yeah, that what? was their first. Their first. Yeah. You did in, what? In our NPL yeah. season preview, I tipped Lions to finish fifth. You're going to be banned from that place. Oh no, Rob's already I'm just taken. No commentary involved. Rob's already said. Rob's already joked about that at Lions. So, um, but in in my defence, I did say it wasn't because they would necessarily have the drop off. It would be because the chasing pack has actually raised up a level, and yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. Lions still on top of the table, so far from the end of the world at Richlands. Or um, Adam, what was your takeaway uh, game from the weekend? Yeah, look, um, it's very, very easy to say to say Lions, but also as well, I'm actually looking at last night. Uh, I was sorry, Tuesday night. Um, I, I down at the Compass Grounds and look, Olympic. Um, look, it was a very, very uh, professional win. Um, so. Sakia um, started, oh, they didn't say, he came off the bench and scored pretty much straight away. So, 
look, he may be the missing piece of that puzzle. Um, look, he's, he's come, he comes up, comes north, you know, with a very, very good pedigree. You know, most famously, you know, was involved and scored two goals and went up in Leichhardt two years ago, knocked out uh, Melbourne victory. So this, this is a, you know, this is a very, very good player that Olympia have got. I think he may be the, um, the missing piece. So that, that's another team that, you know, you expect to be, you know, right in the finals hunt, but sort of have been spluttering and sort of, you know, Looked a little flat and whatnot, but um, they did a good job against you know Redlands. And Redlands actually again um, a three-two loss, but they the scoreline doesn't sort of give them as much credit as what they deserve because they, they were actually again very good. Yeah, Olympic kind of remind me of my my football manager says when my teams are <laughs> when they they have a lot of possession, but they just don't do enough with it at the moment. Olympic, and I think you're right. He came he came on and he made a big impact, didn't he? But Jez Lofthouse also had an impact. They just mm. They just seem that they were a player short in the front third, and maybe that will solve it. But for Redlands, I think if they could def- be a bit more solid defensively, they'd be a lot further up the table. Because going forward, they're pretty good. It's just defensively, they just concede too many goals. Yeah, I well, swear well, I've heard that the last two years. Yeah, I probably have. has been very good. Um, uh, not, was it uh, Noah Hitchcock as well? He... He as well, you know, he, he got on the score sheet. And even Wilfred Phillip is very, very lively. So they've got players there, too. But just, um, it's like defensive lapses. So a couple of the goals were fairly soft. You know, the Olympic did score in the end. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, look, they're, they're not without hope. But I think, unfortunately, they're also in back in the relegation sort of fight at the moment with, after a couple of losses. All right. Uh, moving on now to Mike. Uh, takeaway game and look I'm going to take the easy shortcut here and say it's the Adams backyard derby between Morton Bay United <laughs> and Peninsula Power at Walt's Park on Sunday I'm afternoon. Tra- I'm trademarking that. <laughs> yeah so uh, it, like Olympic as well I suppose it was a very professional win for Penn Power as well. Uh, 3-0 over Morton Bay we were all in attendance at Walt's Park I was on the other side of the pitch to you too with a microphone attached to my head but uh, it <sighs> It was a strange sort of game where – you remember that Simpsons clip where Bart was trying to fight Nelson and Nelson just had his arm on Bart's forehead? It kind of felt like it kind of felt like uh, Power's backline with Nelson and they were just doing that to Morton Bay's strikers where they just, they kept them away. I, I think Jake Reesby only had a, one, maybe two saves to make and Power just had enough chances going forward and they converted that weight of chances into three goals. Audio medium, James, not visual. So that that um, your explanation of that won't have got through to the listeners. But you're you're right. Peninsula Power. This is the third time in a row, row that they played Morton Bay in the Adams Backyard Derby, where they have held Morton Bay at, at arm's length. They just they they are a better side than Morton Bay, and they just they continue to just turn up and just do hold them at arm's length. That's the best way of putting it. They were Morton Bay weren't terrible on Sunday. They were they were in the game. They had their moments, but Peninsula Power were just in those key moments. They were just better. Yeah, and look, I will say credit to uh, Denver Crickmore as well. He was on debut for Morton Bay and had a fantastic penalty save off Josh Woolley as well. Like, penalty, like any time the shot's on target and the keeper gets in the way, I don't care if he just has to stick a leg out. Full credit to the keeper. Yeah, look, um, as I said, Will there, Morton Bay, again, weren't that bad. They just, um, yeah, potential power defence. Again, uh, you know, a bit like um, we talked about the Raw A-League side is that one area that they need to improve um, if they were going to be serious contenders for silverware this year in NPL was going to be defensively. And I think that's, they've done that. I think the, the problem is that the attack seems to be just a little bit off, off the pace at the moment. And with Sam Cronin's injury, um, that, that machine, and also Andy Pangeli also out, that, that you know, attacking machine seems a little bit sort of, you know, you know, dented. So it'll be interesting. But obviously defensively, they're going to be very hard to sort of break down by, by the looks of things. Like, Danny Cunha's having a great season, you know, in that screening number six role. Definitely. And on that as well, though, like the front, well, presuming that Sam Cronin's out this week, as is uh, Andy Pengelly, their front three should still be Josh Woolley, Marek Mardley and Brenton Fox, which is still three A-grade attackers for an NPL side. The only problem then is that depth coming off the bench if they do need to call on them. Well, they've got a couple of good young players they can call off the bench, Byron McLeod and Josh Matcham, but James, I'm going to start sending bubble wrap up to AJ Kelly Park because of, Sam Cronin is such a good player. I just wish you could say healthy for a full season. Yeah. You could see over a full season just how good he is because he's when he when he's on form and he's 
typically when he's fit, he's on form. He's in the top two or three players in the competition. I just wish he could stay fit. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably what's held him back, unfortunately, for him. Yeah, and also, I think I'm giving him credit for that opening goal in the match as well, solely because he did have four taken off him after the round one win over Magpies Crusaders United was reclassified as a bye. So, you know, I think he'll want to add to his um, tally there. Uh, so some of the other results from NPL round 24. Uh, Sunshine Coast Wanderers picked up their first win of the season over East. Scott, can you just read the rest of these while I just cough briefly? Sure. So Sunshine Coast picked up a 4-2 win away to East, and so it was their first win in the league, as you point out. We talked about Olympic Day 1 with three goals, two down at the Compass Ground. Brisbane City, a 2-0 win on Sunday against Brisbane Roar Academy. And down on the Gold Coast, Gold Coast United 2, Capalaba 1. So... It's an interesting set of results. And I was just going to say, while we're talking about Magpies, they are playing in the Mackay Premier League for the remainder of this season. So they are up in, up in action up there now in Mackay. So hopefully we see them back next year. And I just, did, uh, a, just, a quick, uh, just a quick sort of mention of um, Brisbane City and uh, Brisbane Raw. Um, yeah, look, uh, Brisbane, Brisbane City uh, defensively, um, look, they're, they're, they're incredibly solid. Uh, and like I said, the Raw, the Raw just really... Go, oh, like I said, we were... We were watching this game sort of um, sparingly while we were covering the uh, Morton Bay Ninja game, but by the looks of the stream, um, we're all basically never landed a shot on um, on Bristol City. And we, we always said that they did defensively, they were going to be very, very strong breakdown. I think that's, that's coming true. Definitely. And just going back to Magpies Crusaders as well, they do have a young player, uh, Logan Harmer, who's currently with uh, boarding with uh, Ipswich Grammar as well. He's a very quick attacking midfielder as well, so he'll be one to keep an eye on possibly next season if he does break into that NPL side. On to NPL women's. Lions 4, East 2. Well, what else would you expect from Lions? They're still really good. Fantastic goal from Mariel Hecker as well. Yeah, that was absolutely fantastic, wasn't it? Straight off of the um, drop ball, absolutely fantastic. You mentioned what else would you expect. This was a game where I thought if East were, we talked about uh, yeah, they're in that top six, is they're going to make a run at home? You thought they might have been able to do something, but Lions just overpowered them. And I guess the worrying thing for East and the whole competition is Lions are doing this almost with one hand behind their back at the moment. Listening to Simon's commentary of that game on Friday night, they've got a whole host of players unavailable at the moment. So to keep picking up results like this, away to East, which is not an easy game, staying three points clear at the top of the table is extremely impressive and puts them, if they weren't already the favourites for a very tight MPLW race, they most certainly are now. Yep, and on that as well, they are keeping the chasing pack at bay as well. Adam, I know you want to talk, but we are actually starting to run short of time. So I'll run through some of these results as well. Gold Coast United 5 against Southwest Queensland uh, 1. So Gold Coast stay three points behind uh, Lions with a game in hand. The Gap, uh, big win over Mitchelton in a high-scoring one, 4-3. Uh, Logan had a 5-1 win over the FQQAS team as well. And Souths 4, Morton Bay 1. That was a, actually, like, it's a good sign for Morton Bay. I'll give them that. Like, yeah, they lost again, the but it's better than it has been. Yeah. Yeah, look, like I said, is uh yeah, they, they they two goals each half. So look, they're, 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 that, that's a um, work in progress. So I, I know I know part of joke being a, bit, a little bit harsh on on uh, Morton Bay, but look, at the end of the day, it's a work in process. A very very young side. You know, the average the average age I think is about eighteen years old. So look, it, it's going to be it's going to be a learning experience. Um, and the, fact, the fact that they're not being thrashed by ten every game is actually probably a good sign. That, you know, there are some good players. But I just uh, just want at the other end of the table just quickly mention that. I guess uh, the favouritism tag for Lions, I'm not willing to give it to them just yet, at least not until after after Sunday's game against Gold Coast United. That's I think that's a big, big game um, that I think will shape, you know, I guess going forward where they're at in the MPLW. Definitely. Okay. Uh, FQPL. Uh, Logan and Rochdale had a nil-all draw. Mitchelton beat Ipswich Knights 1-0. Thunder beat Winner Wolves 3-1. Sunshine Coast Fire 5, South 3. Uh, South deliver again with the entertainment, I believe, with another high-scoring match. And Holland Park for Southside Eagles, nil. So, yeah, I think the big game coming up this weekend in the FQPL as well is the Ipswich Derby between Pride and Knights. Yeah, yeah that'd be interesting, won't it, see that? I think Ipswich Knights have been waiting for this for a long time, I, th- I imagine. Out there at Briggs Road, I think they might cancel each other out, but 
it's another it's the first taste of a derby we haven't seen before james hopefully there's a bit of fire in it i have a feeling there will be given uh, my experience out at ipswich nights yeah look um yeah <laughs> this what this date was circling the calendar for a very very long time and um especially for our uh, good good friends at the, down the pit so hey liam yeah so look uh, yeah, look, uh, Scott and I were talking about this as well. So, you know, hope, hopefully there is a bit of uh, fire and brimstone in this because, like I said, the league needs another derby. Um, and just, yeah, like I said, you know, the Ipswich rivalry, you know, as well, that's always uh, in the past and other things have always uh, been quite heated. Definitely. And, uh, there, and just quickly running through the NPL Queensland fixtures for this weekend uh, coming. There's quite a lot of good games on the uh, schedule as well. You've got Penn Power, Brisbane Strikers. But the game we're going to be giving pretty much all of our attention to on uh, Saturday night will be 6.30pm at the Croatian Sports Centre. Gold Coast Knights taking on the Brisbane Raw youth side because I believe, Scott, you're joining me up on the commentary box for that, aren't you? Am I now? Is that confirmed? As far as I know. At at this point it is, yes. I'm very much looking forward to that game because it's... It's one we were talking about last week, Adam and I off air. It's a game where Gold Coast has strengthened so much since the lockdown. I haven't seen them play in person. Interesting to see where they're at. And Brisbane Raw, they seem to rise to the occasion. When they play the bigger teams this year, they seem to rise to the occasion. They did pretty well away to to um, Peninsula Power, sorry, in their first game back. They beat Gold Coast United away from home. I think they might, I think they might do quite well in this game. I don't think they'll get a result, but I think they'll be really, really competitive once again. Yeah, I think I'm expecting an arm wrestle out of this game as well. Like, it, it could be a case of first team to score wins, if the raw, especially if the raw can uh, manage to break down the Great Wall of Carrara, which you should expect to hear at least two or three times live <laughs> on NPL TV That's Saturday the sort of night. Cliche I'll be bringing James on a regular basis. And just as long as you got something, that's the important thing, including a jumper, so we don't have a repeat of Toowoomba where you're shivering <laughs> for the final half Thank hour. You. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now. Uh, we're going to move on because, as mentioned at the start of the show, it's A-League finals time. And the Raw, after a 12-month hiatus, or probably longer than 12 months now, but after a one-season hiatus from the A-League finals, they're back where they belong. Finishing the season in fourth place with 11 wins, 7 draws, and 8 losses from their 26 matches. A much-improved defensive record, 28 goals uh, conceded, only 29 scored, though. But overall, I would give the Raw's season a solid B. It was much improved on last season. There were still a few moments where we thought, okay, they weren't quite where they want to be. And obviously, anytime you lose a coach, regardless of who it is during the season, it does uh, take a little bit of the shine off. Yeah, I think so. I think, look, I mean, they're back to where I think they, we all think they should be in that top four, hosting a final, which obviously in this this circumstance at the moment, they're not going to actually be hosting it, but they are the home team. So, they're back where we think we all think they should be, and it is been a has been a pretty good year for the Brisbane Raw. In fact, no, it's been better than that, given where they were 12 months ago to bounce back from the depths that they fell to 12 months ago to where they are now. It's been a really impressive recovery. They've got the second best defensive record of the season, James. Only Sydney FC have a better one. So they've defensively they're really really solid. It's it's that front third where they just have not scored enough goals to finish higher. That's probably the area of improvement, but. It's been a really, really good year for the Raw, and hopefully they can continue it on this weekend. It'd be disappointing to see it end with a loss in the final in the first first week. I saw I get the impression that yeah, you know, this side you now when you had such a, I guess yeah, you know, defense a good defensive record, but also sort of struggling to find sort of goals. This seems to be a side that you know is built for you know, cup slash knockout football. That you know that they can go just so I just have to just practice their penalties because um, I reckon that you know and if as long as they if as far as they get through in this uh this uh this final series and look it may it may all end you know on Sunday but if if not I think you know being able to go get through you know 120 minutes of football um yeah look it's going to be interesting but I think also as well if they I think for either team they they want to knock this over 90 because I don't think they want to play. 120 minutes and then back up four days later, you know, against Sydney FC, who will be uh, nice and rested. They could still also draw Melbourne City, although I was talking to uh, Scott Jr. Jr. this morning and I did joke that based on current form, Sydney might actually be the more appealing option. Uh, 
Yeah, so just a quick rundown. Final system hasn't changed, but that hasn't stopped people completely forgetting how it's run. Uh, 16 final, you've got uh, Sydney FC and Melbourne City finishing first and second respectively. So they've got to buy this weekend through to the semifinals. Wellington in third will be hosting Perth Glory in Saturday's uh, elimination final. And then Sunday, it's Brisbane against Western United. Uh, and that buy is it, really important this year as well, James, given mm, it's three yeah. finals in a week. To not play one final, in a, that's a massive advantage, even more so than it ever has been before. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it could just be that you, if you're Sydney FC, you're hoping that, that they're going to be able to flick on that light switch because they've been nothing short of average to this point. But, but well, I, the third I think, worst team since the restart, James, in terms of yeah. points per game. They're the third worst team. Yeah, five points from six games. Not good. Um, so the other point that probably should be mentioned as well, um, Scott, your favourite three-letter word is back for these finals. As I see you roll your eyes so much so, I'm actually worried they're going to fall out of your head. I agree with what Warren Moon said the other day. The game's been so much better without the, without that those three letters. I don't know. I know it's probably a commercial thing because I know it's sponsored by a fast food restaurant and all the rest of it, but <laughs> I just wish it didn't have to come back. And it, it, since it is back, I really hope it doesn't just make headlines. Just get through these games without it doing anything, and hopefully we can work on getting rid of it permanently next year. But please let it not have any impact this weekend. Unless can it wants to help the Raw out, I'll take it. If it wants to give the Raw something, some bit of a leg up at the weekend, I'll take it, but I just prefer it be silent and not in effect. Yes, okay. Just on that as well, I'm a firm believer that like sports should try and get, you know, the – maximum amount of money that they can out of this. However, you really shouldn't sponsor anything involving the match officials. Because I, I still remember... and sponsors it, do they? Well, I remember that uh, for a brief period, the Queensland Reds were sponsoring the referees' calls. Um, and you know, you know how heavily involved the referees can be in rugby union. So keep in mind, like, there was a brief period there where I made sure that I never was involved with Indigo Telecom because I got so sick of hearing that referee's decision is brought to you by Indigo Telecom <laughs> over the speakers of Suncorp Stadium. And, you know, I did love the time where, uh, again, Super Rugby uh, officials were sponsored by OPSM. That was funny. But overall, I just, yeah, I don't think that's really the way that you want to go about it. But anyway, Adam? Oh, I've got I've got three of my own words. W H Y. Yeah, I absolutely agree with the majority. Uh, the game has been great. You know, I think people have lived to learn because of the VAR experience that you know they're willing to give officials you know the you know, they're, they're, they're they're human. They're going to make mistakes, and you know as long as they're not howling mistakes that you know that are, you just baffles. Like I said, you know these fifty fifty calls. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the game doesn't get out of it. You know, just, yeah, look, it's just, yeah, why? Yeah. I'll give you three uh, more letters, James. B-I-N. That's where it should go. I still firmly believe that there is, in fact, a place for a video review system in football. I just don't think that the VAR system, as it currently is constituted, is the way to do it. But anyway, well, yeah. Enough on that. Let's get into Sunday's game. It's a 6 p.m. kickoff at Bankwest Stadium. All finals will be played at Bankwest Stadium. So Parramatta Reels will just have to suck it up. Uh, and, yeah, it's going to be the Royal Western United. They've faced off twice. There was that infamous December evening at Suncorp Stadium in that what was pretty much a sauna that night, actually. Uh, it was uh, Connor Payne and Bessart Barisha guiding Western United to a 2-0 win over the Raw as they really struggled. Uh, but... You know, that was also famous for that post-match confrontation between Mark Rudan and Dave Puray. Yes, it most certainly was. That was probably the big takeout from that game. I mean, it was a professional win from Western United, but I think you're right, the big headlines out of that game was the clash between Mark Rudan and, and David Puray and the non-handshake and all the rest of it between Robbie Fowler and Mark Rudan. That was probably the biggest story out of it. But you mentioned Bessart Barisha, and we have to talk about him, James, because he's going to be a massive massive factor in this game, probably the decisive factor one way or the other in this game. We know how much he absolutely loves the A-League finals. We've seen it in person firsthand here in Brisbane, just how damaging he can be in finals. His record is absolutely outstanding, and the Raw are going to have to keep a really, really close eye on him on Sunday night because he's, he'd be, he could be the decisive factor, James. He, we know what a great player he is, 
So I mean, that's I think he's I think he's been the most important player on the field for Western United. Oh yeah, he's definitely danger yeah, option number one. I think he's more important. He absolutely is. As uh, my connection, I think just uh, flipped out there for a second, so we're all good. But yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Scott. Like, Borussia is first and foremost the one that they've got to shut down because I don't care if it's the 96th, 97th minute, we're in stoppage time and it's locked at nil nil. He will not give up. He's, he's still big game best. Yeah, and that's and that's um. Yeah, he, he is crucial. This, if uh, I almost would go to say, if if the raw defence shuts down, uh, best up pressure. That's that's one that's one foot into the um into the semi-finals. Yep, he definitely. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yes, so there is that. Um, and also, I'm just sending you guys this as well because I just realised this as a complete and utter side note. Um, there is a midweek round of NPL coming up next weekend on the 25th, 26th. So okay. just just to add to our uh, coverage load. Anyway, uh, the other game that the Raw and Western United have played this year, though, was a 1-0 win for the Raw in Ballarat. It was 1-0 from Mirza Muradovic. And as we've sort of teased before, I think that's going to be very much the way that this game will play out. It's going to be an arm wrestle. It's going to be very defensive, and it's probably just going to be one or two moments, and you know, first team to score two goals will win this. That's kind of yeah. how I break it down. Yeah, that was one moment, James. It wasn't out there in Ballarat. It was probably about the, the really only one really great chance of the game, and Muradovic took it, and the Raw picked up three points. And they did do that without Scott McDonald, who was as part of some sort of deal done when he joined Brisbane from Western United. That was some sort of deal he can't play in that game. I'm almost certain he's going to be there on Sunday. I haven't heard anything to say he won't be there. So we have to assume he'll be in the lineup and that'll make a massive difference because he hasn't played against his former side. And we know he probably didn't leave Western United James on the best of terms. So you'd have to imagine that if there's one game he's going to be fired up for more than any other, it'll be this game. So I think that's, I think that could be, that could be almost as important to, for the raw as best up Brewster is for Western United, that motivation that, that Scott McDonald will surely have to prove his former boss wrong. It is an interesting subplot. The, the uh, Scott McDonald you now will finally get to face his um his old club. But I think you know, it's almost like for all the um, plaudits and whatnot that he's had playing for the Raw in the second half of the season, and it's a very very it's very very easy to forget that. You know he did start the season at Western United, so um him coming back to haunt um his former side. You know I think for him uh, personally, I think it would also be you know very very rewarding. Yep. All right. So we're gonna uh, move on to wrapping it up here. So we're gonna go back and do something that. We've done occasionally this season. So, Scott, give us a headline for this game. Uh, what, what the headline is going to be after the game, that is. Brisbane season rolls on. Adam, what's yours? Uh, Raw shootout win. Yeah, that's pretty much what mine's going to be as well. Raw and United play out stubborn draw. Raw advancing penalties after Jamie Young makes three saves, one with his head. Well, hopefully they'll do better in the shootout than they did against the Central Coast up in Redcliffe, James. That didn't end too well. Yes, well, hopefully they've had some time to practice it over the last few days. Either way, it's good to have the Raw back in the finals. I think we can all agree on that. And Absolutely. It's great, to have, it's great to have finals, isn't it? it just it, The feeling of finals is building up. It's The tension will be high on Sunday. I'll be really looking forward to it. And also, as well as some people on social media have already alluded to, is that... Um, that the, the Raw's fourth placing also as well has got them a shot at um, you know playing Asian Champions League football next season. However, let's just worry about getting the 2020 version done first before we start <laughs> looking at the 2021 conversation because there's still uh, plenty to go in the 2020 edition and God knows what's going to happen, especially if the, if the um, talk that you know, we're not going to be travelling for a very, very long time. Yes, that's also very true. However, I will just put the caveat on that as well. So, if our maths is correct and Wellington can't, in fact, play Asian Champions League football, no as, lo- as long as Western United or Perth don't win the grand final, the rule will make the Asian Champions League qualifiers next year, I believe, with That's a half spot. Terrible. Assuming cool. there is an Asian Champions League in 2021, to Adam's <laughs> point. Yes, with a giant asterisk on it. Anyway, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, James. Good to have you back once again. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks, Scott. See you on the weekend. Definitely. It's good to be back. Um, Yeah, thanks, guys, for 
the last couple of weeks as well. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Enjoy the football this weekend. NPL, A-League Finals, there's so much more. Make sure you get out and support all the clubs that you can. Uh, This has been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll talk to you next week.